John chapter 21 is fairly soon after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus has revealed himself to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, to others, we're going to pick up with it in verse, in verse 1 of chapter 21. It says, and after these things, Jesus again appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is what took place. Several of the disciples were there, Simon, Thomas, Nathaniel, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. And Simon said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they said. So they all got into the boat, and they fished all night, Richard Chant, and didn't catch anything. No luck. <laughs> no luck. As uh, right at daylight the next morning, Jesus was standing on the, on the shore, but they didn't know it was Jesus. And he calls out, have you caught anything? And they said, no. Then he said, well, throw a net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic because he had stripped down for work, jumped into the water, and he headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 big ones, and the net hadn't even broke. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they all knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time that he had appeared to his disciples since his resurrection. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. Do you know I love you? Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then a third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'll tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to go where you liked. You dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to Peter to let him know what kind of death he would die, glorifying God. Then Jesus said to Peter, follow me, follow me. Keep that there, and I want you to go back with me about three to three and a half years earlier than just what we've just read in the book of Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, same setting. It was by the Sea of Galilee. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two men, Simon and his brother Andrew, fishing, casting nets, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets And followed him. The invitation, follow me. As we read the Gospels, over 15 times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, over 15 times, Jesus extends this invitation follow me, come and be a follower of mine. And I'm convinced that today it is just as crucial as then, and that the invitation still is open 
for whosoever will, to those that will, to come and be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this past Wednesday night, Pastor Jeff shared with the youth group, and he spoke on being a fan or a follower of the Lord. Quite a difference, as Jeff shared and explained that. This morning, I want you to go with me to John. Well, we're, we're there, but look at, look at what it says in John chapter 10, because I want to talk about following the Lord Jesus Christ. John 10, verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And what does it say? And they follow me. Now, another scripture says, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me. And a stranger, they will not follow. But here Jesus is speaking, and he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, I don't, think, and I, I don't think I've ever met anybody that has accepted Jesus' invitation to follow him, that have followed him and been sorry. Now, Mildred came up and she, after service and she told me, she said, well, she knew a pastor one time that said he had never met anybody that was sorry following Jesus, but he had met a lot of followers that were sorry. So I <laughs> don't know about that, but, but, but I do, I have met several people that expressed Sorrow. They expressed regrets that they had waited so long to follow him. I've had them say to me, if I only knew then what I know now, I mean, I would have started following Jesus a long time ago. My life changed the day that Jesus came into my life. It's a new life. Why did I wait so long in life? Listen, my friend, I, I know that, that same, but listen, if you've never made that decision, don't wait another day to accept that invitation to become a follower of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to, to be a follower? Wow. Well, Jeff did a far better job and more com complete than I will do this morning. I'm not going to try to explain that. But what I'm going to ask you to do with me for the next few minutes is to go with me and let's follow Jesus and see where he takes us. Let's just follow him and see where he takes us. Go with me to the book of Luke 4. Luke chapter 4 first. Luke 4 says that he came to Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was where he grew up. It says he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Where did we follow? Where did Jesus take us? He took us to the synagogue. He took us to the synagogue. And, 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 and he took us to worship. Now, I want us to look at some things as we consider this this morning about Jesus and worship. As we look at him, as we follow him, he said, follow me. And he takes us to the, to the synagogue. But notice the first thing is that he worshiped regularly. Look at this. He says that he, he went to the synagogue where he'd been brought up as his custom was. Now, when I was first making notes, I, I, I said, this was Jesus had made a habit of worship. And I thought, gosh, for too many people, that's what worship only is. It's just a habit. So that's not a good word. So I chose instead that he, that he worshiped regularly in the synagogue. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, 24, and 25, we too are encouraged, are commanded to worship publicly together on a regular basis. And, I, and look, look, at this, look at the verse. We, we, a lot of times we quote verse 25, but we don't understand the foundation of verse 23 and 24. 
The writer of Hebrews says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways, I love this thing right here. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Church, do you see this? Let's, let's be creative in finding ways to help each other do the right thing. Not to be looking and nitpicking and finding fault. Anybody can do that. Any old, any old backslidden person can find several people that he's better than or she's better than. But this says, let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now look at this verse. I feel sorry when you're having to interpret to me and I get going so fast. I know. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage, keep that word there, but encourage one another, especially now that the Lord's return is drawing near. Jesus worshiped regularly and you two, you and I both are now are, are commanded that, that it's in our worship that we need to be worshiping together publicly on a regular basis. He not only worshiped regularly, but notice this. I'm convinced that Jesus worshiped voluntarily. He didn't have to be begged. He didn't have to be bribed. He didn't have to be badgered in the church. Honey, if you'll just go with me to church. You know you're the pastor. <laughs> he didn't have to do that. Jesus wanted, and I've, I've thought a lot about this, this part of worship. Jesus wanted to be with God's people. Now think with me. Because one of the, one of the most often heard excuses of people not being in church that I hear, that you may have heard, well, it's just a bunch of backsliders. I don't want to go there with a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want to worship with them hypocrites. Now, the, uh, there's one side of Jerry that thinks, well, maybe you can get some of them converted. You're so, you know, if you'll come there, maybe they'll get saved. And then there's another side of Jerry that's not too nice either that I'll think, well, wouldn't it be better to go to the church with the hypocrites than to spend hell with them forever? <laughs> and I know both those are probably the wrong attitude. They're, they're, they're probably the wrong attitude. But now think about Jesus. As he worshiped in that synagogue, and as we, as we read the scripture there, uh, at, at, at the beginning, he, he, he was there with God's people. There were people there that, had a, that were genuine, that wanted to serve God, that wanted to understand God's laws, that wanted to know God's word so they could obey God's word. But then there were also others there that thought they knew it inside and out, and they were there ready to tell other people how they were missing it. But Jesus chose to worship. He worshiped regularly. He wanted to be there. It was voluntarily. And my question to you this morning, it's a good question. Do you want to be here? Are you here because this is where you want to be? Or are you here just to get your wife off your back for a few minutes? Or had you rather be somewhere else or doing something else? And your answer and the way you answer that in your mind, hopefully, can reveal a lot about our heart. See, I... In a month, in a, in a little over a month, I'm going to be 65 years old. Now, and I've only pastored, I pastored the House of Prayer 33 years. So for, for almost half my life, I wasn't a pastor. Whew, praise the Lord for that. You thought I was born with a necktie on. <laughs> uh, but I wasn't. But on almost half my life, I wasn't a pastor. But since I was a young fellow, I've been, a, I've been saved. 
And, and, I've, and there's only been a few times, there have, there have been a few times, I'll tell you, in the last 33 years that I came to worship because I was a pastor. All right, there, there's, a, there's a few times that if I had not been the pastor, I probably would have said, honey, just go get me the ibuprofen bottle and let me just sit here just for a few minutes, okay? But as a rule, as a rule, before I was ever called into the ministry, it had been instilled into my life that it was important that, the, that what Christians do is that Christians meet together regularly on a basis to worship the Lord. And that's just, that was part of my life. It's just a part of my life. And I don't think it's changed drastically because I'm a pastor. And I, and I appreciate those of you, I've, I've really appreciated for, uh, for nine years, uh, well, I, I went to school, went to college, worked of the, of the, of the evening, and, and Barbie and I got married after I finished junior college, and we both worked, and I went to school. And then... I taught school, and then uh, later on, I became, I was a school teacher, and I, and I started pastoring the house of prayer. So for nine years, I taught school and pastored, okay? And I appreciate, I appreciate that opportunity, because I know what it's like for those of you that sacrifice. I know what it's like when Gary comes into to the, to the youth group and, and Solomon and some of these workers and builders, and they come in and they just, they just hope, you know, it's, it's, it's clean smell. I love, they say, well, I stink. I say it's, it's a clean stink because it's work, you know? And, and I know what it's like a lot of times. They come in and uh, they eat supper when they get home. Or they just, you know, they, or they just catch a pack of crackers on the way. I, and I've appreciated that. Jesus went to worship regularly. Jesus went to worship because that's where he wanted to be. But there's one other thing I want us to look about this, this verse in Hebrews uh, that, uh, that, that our, where do I, what verse is, that, that Jesus, as he worshiped, I believe he worshiped purposefully. He worshiped purposefully. Now, I don't think, I don't think Jesus ever went to the synagogue to be entertained. Now, I may be wrong. I love the Jewish dances, though. I mean, uh, man, I, I, I like that. Uh, but I don't believe Jesus went to the synagogue to be entertained. I, I really don't even believe Jesus went to the synagogue because of the excitement. Well, why did he go? And I'm glad we got to that question. Because Hebrews 10 verse 25, I believe, makes it very clear. Is that Jesus went to the, to the synagogue the same reason that you and I, that God expects us to worship publicly together. So that we can be an encouragement to one another. We can be an encouragement to one another. Did you know your regular, voluntarily worship is an encouragement to people? This morning, first service, Dr. George Gowder. And Dr. George uh, Stroke has left. His, his vision is not very good at all. I can't see a lot. But, but always sitting behind him in the second section is usually Jim and Lynn Cardinal. And they've been out a couple weeks. And Dr. George says, where's, where's, where's Jim and, and, and his wife? Did you know that when you're here on a regular basis, people, that's an encouragement to people? That's great encouragement to me. You encourage. And we come to church to be an encouragement. But in being an encouragement, we're encouraged. We're encouraged to that. Provoke each other to good works. Don't you think about that? 
And, and, and he says, how much the more so as the coming of the Lord draws near? Why is that? Because, man, we're living in a time, the world said, the song that Kathy sang, the world's getting darker every day. The outlook looks bleak, but the uplook looks great. You know? So Jesus, we followed him to worship. And it was regular. It was voluntarily. And it's purposely. Second thing I want you to look this morning as we follow Jesus is go with me, if you will, to a couple of verses. The first one's in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Then we're going to go back to Luke 9. But in Mark chapter 1. It says, in the morning, getting up while it was still dark, way before daylight, Jesus left and went out into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Luke chapter 9, verse 20, look at verse 28 and 29. He says, and it came to pass about eight, eight days after those things that Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and he went up onto a mountain to pray. While Jesus regularly worshiped publicly, with the people of God, he often went aside privately to pray and to be alone with the Father. Do you, do you think that the Holy Spirit of God is, is, is trying to tell us something in the days in which we live? I mean, I don't think I'm the only one. As we watched the movie War Room, do you think there was an emphasis there on, hey, let's get with praying? That prayer is where the victory, the prayer closets where the victories are won? That we fight our battles on our knees. That it's when, on our, when we're on our knees that we can reach the sky. It's when God's people pray. That's it. And we follow Jesus and what do we see? We see Jesus spending time with his father. Privately. Worshiping publicly, but privately spending time with his father. Now, over the years I've told people, people said, well, well I don't know how to pray. And, and I know I've said, well, well praying is just talking to God. Is communicating with God. And, and, and that's true on a very surface level. But you and I both know that prayer is so much more than that. It's communion. It's communion with the God of the universe. Guys, think about that. With the creator, with the one who's created us, with the one who's always been, who always will be, the one who is in charge of everything. No wonder the psalmist would say in Psalm 16, verse 11, look at this. It says, thou will show me the path of life in your presence, God. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In the presence of the Lord. Time with our Father is an awesome, awesome time. And this prayer, we look at Philippians 4, 6. We're reminded that as we pray, it's an invitation to tell him what we need. He tells us, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Tell God what we need. He loves it when we come to him. And you say, well, he's God. Don't he know? Yeah, he knows. He knows what we need before we ever ask it. But it thrills him when his people come to him and realize that we're completely dependent upon him. And we say, Father... I, I, I can't do a thing, but you can do anything. You can do everything. And it's also as we pray, not only to tell him what we need, but to thank him for what he's done. This verse, the next verse says, and don't forget to thank him for what he's done. Ephesians 5.20 says it this way. It says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in that name. 
It's in his name that we have access into the holy of holies, into the very presence of God. We follow Jesus. He'll take us to worship regularly, voluntarily, purposefully. We follow Jesus. Greg, he'll take us aside to pray in the presence, to be strengthened, to be given direction, Jim, to be, to be, to be stilled, to be filled with his presence in prayer. Finally, as we follow Jesus, I want you to notice in John chapter 9, let's go one more place before we share communion. In John chapter 9, Jesus is speaking and he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. We go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Jesus says, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. We follow Jesus to worship. We follow Jesus in prayer. And we follow Jesus in service. This right here. Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered to. But I come to minister. What an attitude. Now, I, I know there's, there's, there are no Christians in here. But, and and maybe, they're, maybe they're just people of the, of the world. But they feel like, I'm here, to be, I'm here to be ministered to. Treat me. Thrill me. Entertain me. Bless me. But Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, then you come to minister. Now, as tempting as solitude is, and I know it can be, it, it, you know, that, 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 that thought of just getting away and in his presence. As tempting as solitude is, I'm reminded in Romans chapter 14, verse 7, it tells us there that no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We're not our own boss. I don't, get to call, I don't get to call the shots in my life. Do what I want to do. Go where I want to go, when I want to go, and do what I don't want to do when I get there. No. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we follow him in worship. We follow him in prayer, but we follow him in serving others. He was a servant. And he came to do the will of the one who sent him. And so we can say, I live to serve you, Lord. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like? I believe as, as we follow Jesus in serving, that we will take advantage of every opportunity we have to serve him. Look at this verse in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Awesome, awesome verses. He says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we don't faint. Now look at this. As we have therefore, you see this word? Opportunity. Let us do good to all men, especially to those of the other brothers and sisters. I believe that we're, if we just bother to look around us, that the Lord is, is, there are so many opportunities to serve one another, to serve the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in serving him, we are following him in that, that mindset of a servant. Opportunities to love, opportunities to serve, opportunities to be used by the master. Whether it's taking groceries to a needy couple, whether it's sharing this, whether it's loving on some kids, whatever it is, there's opportunities all around us. Now, there's only one thing in serving that I want to mention this morning. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ and ministering to the Lord Jesus Christ in that timing is everything. 
Timing is everything. Now, let me just stop a second and say something. There's, there's several of you that have gardens. Some of you have a big garden, Jerry Rich. Some of you have raised beds, but you, but you, but you get to keep getting and keep getting and keep getting from that, Anise Buckman. And others. Some of you have truck farmed, and you've uh, maybe taken produce to the market. Some of you are farmers, and you know about getting paid. Let me, let, me, let me just ask you something. Do you harvest when you want to? No. You harvest when the crop says, we're ripe. We're ready. Okay? We're ready. And I just want to tell you, uh, it can come at the most inopportune time. You know, the corn gets ripe, and that's the week you've planned to go on vacation. And you've got a window of opportunity to get the corn done, something done with it before it gets too hard. The beans get ripe. The, you know, the harvest tells us it's time to pick me. It's time to get me. And if you don't, it spoils. You lose it or you lose much of it. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, Jesus said, therefore, his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that he would send laborers in his harvest. Notice scripture says, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look onto the fields. Look at the people. Look at the conditions of the world. Look at what's happening around us. And he says, the fields are wide unto harvest. This is right. People are ready. People are longing to hear truth. People are longing to get rid of the chains and to hear the chains fall off of them. And we can't wait until we're ready. We have to harvest when the harvest is ripe. And it's right now. And Jesus says to Peter, Follow me. Follow me. We can start with what we've learned this morning. Following him in worship. Following him in prayer. Following him in service. There's a, court, there's a song. It bothers me that None of the younger staff, Mildred and I are the only ones that remember the godly songs. <laughs> All these younger staff members and people that are working off. There's a song that I kept thinking about when I was, when I was preparing this message. It's, a, it's an old song, but the song is Follow Me. And some of the words of, the, of one of the verses says, I traveled down a lonely road and no one seemed to care. The burdens on my heavy back had bowed me to despair. I oft complained to Jesus how folks were treating me. And then I heard him say so tenderly, My feet were all so weary up on the Calvary road. My cross became so heavy, I fell beneath his load. Be faithful, weary pilgrim. Just take your cross up and follow me. Are you following? The invitation is there. The invitation is there. Now, let me just tell you something that I can't get past. I don't understand, but I'm so thankful for. When Jesus said to Peter in John chapter 21, he said, he said to Peter, he said, Peter, follow me. We know the history. 
We know the history that Peter had said, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. And then he even denied he knew him. Peter goes out and he weeps, he repents, he's so sorry, and now Jesus appears back to him, and now with the same words, I am so convinced that the same words when Jesus, as he's going through this litany, and then he looks to Peter and says, follow me. I'm so convinced that Peter goes back to three, three and a half years ago, the same seashore, the same lake of of Galilee, at that initial invitation, follow me. And Peter would say, Lord, follow you. You asked me, Lord, you asked me three years ago and I left everything and I followed you. But look what, Lord, I thought I was, you and me were this tight. But when, when push comes to shove, I denied you. When you needed somebody to stand up with you and for you, I turned and ran away. Are you sure you still want me to follow you? Jesus says, Peter, follow me. Folks, I want to tell you, I don't know about you, but I make Peter's denial look like a revival because of the times in my life that I have failed miserably on being what I should be for the Lord. And when he looks at me and says, follow me, I want to say, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure? Lord, Lord, I know, I know you, but Lord, how about, you could, you could Fred is so much more faithful. Or, or Greg. He said, yeah, I've given them the same invitation, but I want you to follow me. To those of us that are here this morning, that maybe the enemy is saying, you're not worthy to follow him now. You're not worthy to follow him now. You look how you failed. You know what I've learned to say? I've learned to say, enemy, you're exactly right, but my father in his forgiveness and mercy and blood has extended that invitation to keep on following. And by the grace of God and the will of God, that's where I'm headed. That's where I'm headed. Now, you may be here this morning and you may have never accepted that invitation to follow. Maybe, as Jeff would explain, you kind of can be more of a fan you know, and that's, fans like, it. We, we go to game, we cheer and holler, but we sure don't want it to get into our lifestyle and get down where we live. I mean, you know, and we just are followed from a distance. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. Maybe you have never surrendered and said, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. I, I, I need to be saved. The invitation this morning is to you too. Follow him. Follow him to the cross and let the old self die there. Let the old self die there. No wonder scripture says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Follow him. And I want to tell you, whether you pray just in a moment to receive him and get saved, or whether just in a moment you say, Lord, I've been so dumb like a dummy because I've listened to the enemy and he's tried to tell me that I was unfit and unworthy. And yet this morning I hear you clearly saying, follow me. Still, still. Thank you, Jesus. Either way, follow him and get ready. Get ready for the ride of your life. Because following Jesus, following him, is a life worth living. It's a life worth living. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we love you. And as we come into your presence, Lord, understanding that 
that uh, psalmist when he would say, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. This morning, Father, you have honored us by your presence, your Lord. And, and, and Lord, just, just a glimpse, just a, a passing through of, of your power and your presence, Lord. And Lord, it's almost, it's almost like we say, Lord, we couldn't stand anymore. But there's more. But this morning, the invitation is very clear that you still send out, knowing us, knowing our weaknesses, knowing our failures, knowing all about us, you said to Peter, follow me. And this morning, you say to each of us here who are believers, follow me. Follow you in worship regularly and voluntarily and purposefully. Follow you in prayer, Lord, as we, as we uh, enjoy the communion of the Father in times of solitude, praying, pr- Lord, intentionally, thanking you for what you've done and telling you, Lord, what we need and giving you the glory when you act, following you in service, looking around us every day for the multiple opportunities that you bring our way. And sometimes, Lord, it seems like you have to knock on our door that they've been there and you've knocked on every window and you knocked on every door and sometimes we're slow to answer. But thank you that you keep on giving us opportunity to finally hear. And Lord, it's my prayer this morning that is right now that as your Holy Spirit speaks that we hear like Peter did your voice saying follow me and father with a new purpose a new desire a new determination and a new humility and gratitude for your grace and mercy we follow just follow father as your children are praying I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to any heart that's never been saved and that you would say to that heart that individual I love you and I died so that you could live would you surrender your life to me so that I can do with it what I've planned you'll never regret it if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as your savior it's my prayer right now that that would all change pastor what do I do you need to say God I am so sorry I've sinned against you. And I need, your, to, I need you to forgive me, Jesus, to take my sins and forgive me. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave, live forevermore. And if I'll confess my sins and ask you to come in, you'll come into my life. Lord, and I'm asking you to come in and to take over. I'm not asking you to come in and Give me fire insurance and let me do my own way. There's too much of that going on, Lord. What Pastor Jerry is talking about this morning is something that's radical. And Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in with following you now. I don't know what that means, but I know who you are and I trust you. Come into my life. I'm yours from this day forward. Praise the Lord for that. If you prayed that prayer, would you just slip your hand up and let me pray with you? Encouragement as you grow in the Lord. Just hold your hand up and keep it up. I, ho- I see hands. I see hands. And we praise the Lord. Others, I see those hands. Others, I need to see that hand back there. Thank you. Father, as we just agreed with you that what you've done is an eternal work this morning, 
that what you've done is something that's never going to be undone by all the tricks and the wiles of the enemy. Lord, we pray. I pray for these men, for these women, for these children, for these young people today that Jesus Christ has come into their hearts and lives through your Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, may we be a rich environment to help them grow, to learn in your word, to grow in your word as a follower of Jesus Christ. And Lord, it's okay for us to be a little fanatic sometimes. But don't ever let us get confused between being a fan and a follower. We want to follow you all the way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.